Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort, and money on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation podcast by Processio came to help them find a way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate, and make better decisions. Because of that, these businesses grow, prosper, scale, and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I'm your host today at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your business processes and life. My guest today is Miguel Valdez Faura. Miguel is a recognized thought leader in the business process management and digital transformation fields, and he is passionate about open source community building. Miguel is a regular speaker at international conferences such as O'Reilly Global Expansion Summit or Web Summit, and he has been featured in major publications such as Forbes, CNN, and Mashable. Miguel received one of the prestigious CEO World Awards in 2014, which is a great, great thing. How are you today? I'm really good. I'm super excited to be here. I'm privileged. I'm excited. I'm honored. And I'm very curious about your perspective, advice, and insights you can share about what do you feel or believe is important about digital transformation today? I think for, for me, that's a good question, by the way. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, uh, for me, that the, the important thing is uh, we, we see a lot of companies and organizations that try to make a better alignment between uh, you know, the business strategy that is important for running the day-to-day business and um, what I call the modernization of IT. You know? So uh, basically, how business people and IT people have been, are going to be working together to find that alignment, no? And, uh, and, and not create additional frustration about how people are working in an organization and delivering innovation. So that's for me the key topic in which uh, uh, we're gonna spend more and more time uh, uh, all the vendors working on process automation. Thank you. That's really interesting. And if I understood you correctly, there is somehow of a rift or um, somehow of a big, big distance between the needs, the thoughts, and the day-to-day experience of people who are creating processes, executing processes, doing them in that way, and the people who deal with the technology who think from a technical perspective on how to make those happen. And we need alignment where both understand each other, communicate better, and create things that truly make a difference in the day-to-day experience and add real value rather than maybe our buzzwords or are technically like the thing that should be done but in reality they either make the experience bloated or slow or something like that did i understand right yeah that's that's correct uh, uh, and you know i think we, we, it's also a matter of uh, people collaborating better and more efficient in the organization uh, and that's particularly now more important with uh, you know having people working remote and uh, the the workspace that is um, now becoming a hybrid workspace so uh, that's even more important no? to make sure that people at the end are happy working together and delivering more value for customers. Thank you. 
what are currently the problems that are not allowing for the full cooperation, especially in a hybrid world? and what to do in order to make it better? Uh, so I think for me that there are different topics there. Um, so first of all is that the, the tooling, of course, or, or, the, or the software, that, uh, that uh, it's not easy to build software that can be used by different personas or with people with different skills. Uh, second, I think that um, until recently, um, the two worlds were not understanding each other, meaning like the business people had potentially different idea. They had a really good overview and understanding of the business and uh, they wanted to uh, make uh, some changes really fast. And on the, other on the other side, it was not easy to then discuss, collaborate, and uh, assure that, uh, um, and, uh, that with, uh, with the IT. And the IT guys, of course, they were a little bit scared about uh, leaving some room to the business guys to jump in and to uh, work with them in the projects. So I think that uh, you know, that's changing because there is more and more collaboration because people are now more used, especially the last two years, to work uh, 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 together remotely, to use software to improve collaboration. And I think that's a better atmosphere and a better ground now for automation tools, uh, you know, to come to, the, to, to, to that space and to say, okay, yeah, uh, you are really used to discuss together. You are really used to discuss about business issues. Uh, and now you want to uh, uh, think stronger about how you can automate your business. So this is how you can do it. No? So it was a matter of... Uh, um, you know, people were not ready, probably maturity uh, and, and also with technology. Thank you. I love this. I love your um, idea of using personas. Usually it's something that marketers or people in business and marketing using use it about their niche, segmenting the market or maybe a little bit communicators when they're creating presentations in order to segment the audience and think who are the personas that we should communicate with. So how can people who are doing digital transformation or managers who are interested in change management use personas in order to make their initiatives successful? Oh yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it depends on um, the definition of the persona, first of all, that you, you think about. Some people uh, uh, define persona and they associate, a, you know, a, a really, they do basically profiling, no? It's like, okay, they try to categorize how different people should uh, fit in, in one of those personas. Uh, that's good, but my point of view is more that... Uh, you know, uh, we are all different. So, um, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I, I started as a developer. So probably at some time ago, I was uh, fitting into a developer, Java developer persona. Uh, and now uh, I'm the CEO of a company. So probably I'm not, uh, don't have those skills anymore. Um, but uh, I'm more, I, I'm more one of those persons that feels like persona should be like a, 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 a combination of different skills. It's not like you are a developer, you are a, a head of sales. It's more like a, based on all your experience, maybe today I'm the CEO, uh, but I also still have a, a strong technical background. So I can be a persona that uh, still has some technical, cons technical skills to uh, use a product in which uh, this technical skill is required. No? So yes, I think that the persona is important. I think that the persona uh, notion is evolving to think a little more about the skills that uh, you can have or you should have to use uh, one particular technology and from there then you can see about okay yeah depending of those skills should that be uh, the one using that product should be the one that is uh, just at some point making some synchro points synchronization points uh, when the milestone first milestone of the product is, is executed so uh, that's what uh, for me is going to be changing no thank you 
if I understood you correctly, and it seems to be is very similar to like business strategy and analyzing the skills and the competitive advantages of a business in terms of what skills do we have, what competitive um, abilities do we have that other people don't have, where do we fit in the market because of that. And therefore, each person or group of people thinks, what are our skills, uh, what are our strengths, and which skills those skills and every moment based on the need, what do they require of us to do? And therefore we become that persona or that useful kind of contributor in a way that is not stagnant or yeah, fixed. And maybe to, to make it also easier to illustrate with a concrete example, you know, when, we're, when you are developing or involved in an automation project, uh, probably you're going to be using an agile methodology. Uh, probably you, at some point you're going to define the specification, at some point you're going to be doing some prototyping, at some other point where you're going to start drawing the process, uh, then you're going to start adding some additional semantic uh, or logic like connecting to other systems. Maybe you can define also which uh, um, um, technical skills or, or requirements you need uh, in each one of those uh, steps. So to then uh, say, okay, yeah, depending of uh, how many people in your organization wants to uh, participate, uh, try to, to see based on your skills, how you can participate in each one of those moments, no? So that's, yeah, that's, that's just a way to illustrate, no? Maybe uh, uh, based on uh, the way you develop projects, the methodology that you are using and the skills that are required, then you do a map, a mapping between uh, people participating from different departments, the skills that are required and the technologies, depending on the skills that are needed. Thank you. And I love what you're saying, but I will play the devil's advocate a little bit. There are people who think, okay, you have to design the ultimate or the ideal process. And that's what a business process management or design is all about. And then you fit the skills into it, etc. But many say, and even some systems thinkers found out, they give up on trying to change a system too much because status quo and the homeostasis will be too strong, trying to bring everybody to what exists. They say, look, don't try to design an ideal business process. Find out what are the processes that are already existing. Try to reduce the waste or improve them in a Kaizen way 1% at a time. And therefore, instead of thinking, um, yes, let me design the ultimate thing that has no waste in it. What is working right now and improve that bit by bit and not rather than trying to create something that uh, will be on top of what already exists and there will be a fight or a conflict between both. Do you agree with this? Do you feel these are two different and separate perspectives or it's just uh, theory and uh, the way you spoke about is the correct way? So I, I will say it depends. It depends. I mean, uh, it, um, I, uh, on one side, I agree what you were saying about, uh, okay, yeah, let's uh, start focusing on an existing pain. To, to use another word, it's like, okay, we have something existing. Uh, probably you are really feel uh, that can be improved. So that's for me a pain. Uh, let's try to see if that pain uh, can bring, uh, that, if we fix that pain, can bring a lot of value to the organization, whatever it, it is, uh, reducing cost or aumenting uh, revenue, whatever. So I agree with that. So that's a, that's a really pragmatic way uh, to, to change people's life in a concrete way. However, when you were saying like, uh, uh, and do um, small improvements, uh, then be careful about the technology. You know, of course, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm running a company that is doing process automation. I'm not running a company that is doing RPA. And sometimes RPA is seen like uh, this technology that can help you to do those minor improvements. And uh, in a lot of situations, that's perfect and that's enough. But in some other situations, uh, 
uh, you cannot just do small improvements. You need to rethink the process uh, to make uh, this global improvement. So, so yes to number one, like it's better to start with a use case that already exists. Uh, second, be careful about just uh, uh, selecting the right technology for the right use case. Uh, sometimes uh, the process needs to be rethink. Uh, and in that case, you need to use potentially process automation solution, a BPM solution, uh, and you cannot just do small updates or fixes like usually uh, you do with RPA. Thank you. That's really, really wise. And to ask you even more, since you rephrased to a pain, what seems to be the common pains that companies that come to you for help, whether it's automation, digital transformation, uh, or alignment between IT and business or whatever, what are sticking points, constraints, pains, or needs that seem to be the real drivers or the things that come to you because they need help yeah, with? Yeah, usually, uh, I mean, I will say two of them, depending of uh, if we are talking about uh, a specific use case or more globally about the strategy. But uh, so one could be, the number one, it's always visibility. It's like, Miguel, I'm lacking, I'm a bank, I'm an insurer. Uh, I'm a government agency, I'm, I'm missing visibility on what's going on when somebody is making a request and somebody else is validating. So that's the number one. And usually it's like, okay, yeah. And the reason why is because you're using a legacy system and uh, it was done that way, but uh, you know, things are changing. And uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, you, got, you could tell to the customer to wait one week and now you need to provide information and updates every week and uh, every day and we're not able to do that. So number one is visibility. And number two is maintainability. Uh, usually people have already some system in place to come back to the previous point, like the majority of the use cases that are now automated with uh, BPM technologies are already use cases for which you already had a service in place or some applications. But some of them are legacy applications. Some of them are not connecting really well with your new applications. Some of them are at the end of uh, 15 years of maintenance. So uh, you are suffering. Uh, so those will be the two main pains. Now, the first one is more from the business side. And the second one is more from the technical side. So depending on who you're talking with. Thank you. And I'm curious about you as a person. What's the most fascinating or interesting part for you when it comes to automation, digital transformation? Like, why is it personally something that you have passion for? Because otherwise you wouldn't work so hard. You won't think about it so deeply if it were <laughs> just a job or an <laughs> That's occupation. That's a good question. Yeah, and especially I've been involved in that market for the last 20 years. So, uh, um, so yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, working with people at the end. So uh, in, uh, in projects that are changing their life, even if it's a small contribution. Um, and of course, and you know, uh, of course we love work and I personally like uh, being involved in uh, customer uh, projects in different um, uh, markets or, or segments or industries, but my favorites are always um, working with um, government agencies. Uh, for example, I have in mind a customer in a government agency in Spain that is called SESCAM, that, you know, they are using process automation to, at the end, save life. They are doing, um, they're using process automation to uh, improve the way colon cancer can be detected. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if you are able to detect that sooner than later, you can potentially apply um, uh, some, uh, some additional um, um, treatment that is going to improve a lot uh, the chances to recover. So, you know, when you are working on those particular use cases and at the end of the day, you say like, okay, I did my small contribution, not only to improve uh, ROI or reduce costs, but to save people life. Uh, well, I mean, uh, what, what better, uh, you know, feeling than that working or participate or involved in those kind of projects. Thank you. I love that because 
stereotypically people will not think that someone so passionate about technology is doing it because he loves people <laughs> so much so it's you know you symbolize the people processes technology but it's all processes are about people technology is to enable and help people whether as a, the end um, a result of it or it's the process itself I want to return to something you mentioned which is uh, people or companies or corporations or governments visibility into their processes what I understood at first is getting like reporting on where there is a constraint uh, the data like the percentages the ROIs of the effort or whatever it is but is it that or is it more understanding what's happening actually what people are doing because I remember this was funny but a while ago there was um, in a journal uh, someone who mystery shopped for uh, dental offices I think and he called uh, and his company 500 of them to see whether if someone calls who needs something they for example will get their details to email them to keep in touch to see whether they will follow the procedure that was the best practice and he found that 80% of the time uh, the person who answered the phones did nothing and then 20% of the time they will tell the person like oh go check on our website thank you goodbye and it was only 1% of the time that they took like it was I think after that around five or ten percent they took the email but did nothing with it never followed up and it was only one percent that they followed the whole process so visibility into knowing well I have this beautifully designed and drawn out business process but nobody's following it <laughs> so is that the visibility that is happening or visibility in terms of knowing okay uh, each like trying to find the the what's working in terms of ROI in each part small segment or part of department or yeah so it's, it's a mix of different things I will say like a, a part of the visibility is uh, as you were mentioning very boring um, that is a more traditional way to to get a, at least a, a, a first feeling of what's going on a second part of the visi visibility is more about uh, are we working uh, in an efficient way meaning that uh, uh, for example if you are managing you are defining a process to manage loans in a bank. Is that normal that 50% uh, of the loans are still uh, at the pending for approval state for the last six days? Uh, while we initially designed that to approve or reject the loans in two days. So uh, this kind of information that is usually uh, hard to find uh, if you are not using a, a process automation solution or, or you don't have a process defined in really precisely, it's, it's something that uh, uh, I was referring to and a third um, category will be everything that is now about making predictions meaning that uh, uh, based on all the uh, loans that has been requested in that re in, in that example uh, maybe you can make some predictions of what's going to happen in new loan requests huh? so this new category is more about uh, correlating real-time data of the process execution with the historical data so First category of visibility, reporting. Second category is more about uh, uh, being more efficient thanks to the process execution. And the number and the third category uh, is more about using all the data to make predictions about what's going to happen in the future and anticipate uh, some issues. I love that. And it makes me think since so many things happened in this world, whether COVID or any black swan events, when you use historical data in order to predict the future, how do you account for the possibility that the 
unexpected or the unknown unknowns or whatever it is take part in it is it that's the best we can do as human beings is use the past and extrapolate it into the future or is there anything that you think about since you're someone uh, who's a thought leader in the domain about how to not get caught yeah, off you know, guard this is, we were talking just uh, before about the importance of people you know there are some situations in which you cannot replace uh, 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 people and this is one example i mean uh, we can do a good job uh, as a vendor about trying to correlate historical data with uh, real-time data but it's something that is not in the model, something that is completely unexpected is happening. This is why you also want to have a, 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 a human just uh, seeing what's going on, getting some uh, information and some predictions from the computer and you making the final choice, no? You, you, cannot, replace, uh, you cannot replace human. I know that sometimes it's a, it's, a hot, it's a hot topic when you are doing process automation and people say like, uh, you don't, um, you know, how that relates to, 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 to humans. Uh, honestly, uh, it's just, a, as you mentioned, a way to improve uh, how people are working in the organization, how they feel better, how they are more efficient. And in those particular use cases, nothing replaces a human. Thank you. And since we're speaking about the future, where do you see the future of business process, biz ops, automation and all that? Some people say that actually we're moving into a world where you need to adapt and be so flexible that the benefit of automation and using tools that are not so resistant to change like human beings will get into habits and all that is that you can frequently every week every day every month or whatever it is totally almost reinvent or evolve the way you do your work because you'll be better able to be agile and adaptive to the marketplace do you feel this is the future do you see any technologies that will come and change the way business is done because of automation, AI, I don't know, machine learning or whatever you think the future will look like? You know, it's always, it's always really uh, hard to make some uh, uh, projections about the future, especially in, a, in, in, a, in this market, technology market. But, uh, um, you know, I think there are, there are different, um, different topics. One is that uh, I think that we need to, uh, what we're probably going to see is like a, a new balance between, uh, you know, uh, all the new technology now looks like needs to be a no-code technology. Uh, and, uh, and every new company is building no-code uh, software and platforms. But on the other side, there are still like a huge and complex project that requires uh, uh, developers. Uh, and, you know, looks like those days we are only talking about the number one. Uh, and I, I think that uh, at the end, it's going to be a little bit more balanced. And we're going to see in the future that, uh, okay, you, so for some use cases, you need no-code technologies. For some other use cases, you need low-code technologies. For some other use cases, you need... Uh, more code technology uh, or a mix between those approaches depending on what you are doing. So I think that's going to evolve, especially um, based on, uh, you know, what we're discussing at the beginning, no? Uh, when we're talking about a better alignment between the strategy and the IT, everything is not no code. So, um, uh, so I, I think in terms of the approach, because all that for me are just approaches to the, to the development, I think uh, it's going to evolve and we're going to talk a little bit less um, about only no code and more about, uh, you know, the different, uh, uh, the different ways in which uh, the combinations between, no? And so that's, that's, my, that's my number one uh, thought. Then, uh, of course, yeah, we're seeing more and more the trend of uh, artificial intelligence in, a, in terms of uh, the technology space. Uh, um, I'm an automation guy, so of course I see the big opportunity we have ahead in terms of process automation and what some people call automation first. Uh, and I'm seeing that uh, even when discussing with uh, 
people that are creating new companies. A lot of people are creating about automations since the beginning of the company, which was not the case before. So I think that's also uh, uh, a trend that we're going to see more and more. No, People thinking about automation and how we can be more efficient from day one. Thank you. I love that. I love efficiency. Like because there is nothing worse than wasting human lives and hours and potential and all that and when anything can be automated it means it doesn't require that magical or spiritual or creative touch that only human beings can do and to finish can you speak about bonita soft or yourself or in any way um what do you do how people can get in touch with you what services or work they can you know ask for and where to find more uh, so I'm, I'm i'm the ceo and co-founder of bonita soft and bonita soft is a is a vendor of um, uh, bpm technology so business process management uh, we are uh, an open source vendor meaning that um, you know uh, the technology is available not only in open source but only uh, but also for free so uh, if you want to test our technology you can go to our website bonitasoft.com uh, and just click on the big download button. And uh, you know, it's a free edition of the solution. It's open source. There is a, you will see that uh, there is a dedicated community also available for free, in which you can uh, uh, get documentation, resources, and even interact uh, with the community through forum. Uh, this is part of our DNA. So um, you, want, you are interested potentially in technology. Uh, you can do it at your own pace. So you can go there, and test the technology. And if you want to move forward, just in, only in that case, contact us. Thank you so much. And before we finish, of course, I have to, you know, share with everyone the great news about Processio. Processio is a the modern low-code, no-code platform for advanced automation and creating an enterprise-grade backend for your software. Any listener or viewer can request a totally free account at Processio.app where they get one hour of execution time which is equivalent to 100 human hours totally free and those who want to upgrade because they have higher needs there is a 50 percent off code you can use which is better 50 off one word capital letters you can see more in the description and i'll make sure to write the bonita soft website and your linkedin in the description this was miguel my honor, my privilege, a great, great conversation. And thank you for every minute. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a, it was a pleasure. Uh, and let's uh, definitely keep in touch. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.